welcome to the Well Read Podcast. My name is Sarah Ray, author and self-proclaimed serial reader, and I am here to enable your reading addiction for the love of books. Use the links in the show notes to find this episode's featured book at your preferred retailer. Thanks for listening. The Tales of Pell Trilogy. Authors are Kevin Hearn and Delilah S. Dawson. The genres are fantasy, comedy, adventure, format read Libby audio. Overall, the trilogy, I gave four stars. Favorite quote. Who's there? Toby shouted, pulling back his sleeve to give his magic fingers more nimbleness. Taming the challenges of stately morning wood would no doubt require two ready hands. So the premise of the first book, it, which is called Kill the Farm Boy, is that the farm boy was granted to be the chosen one. And he is meant to save Pell and save this town that was fall, has fallen under a sleeping spell. But when he continues on to his journey with his goat Gustav, who is all of a sudden talking and enchanted when he wasn't before, he dies. <laughs> but it was an accident by a warrior who wants to try and make things right. And as the warrior travels through the country with Gustav and, and Lord Toby and his sidekick, they gather more and more people and they go through all these incredible adventures. And it's amazing. And there's two other books in this trilogy as well. And we'll talk about that. But the first one, Kill the Farm Boy, is the star of the show. The first book in this trilogy was just absolutely amazing. I loved every word and I laughed quite a bit and I finished it in almost one day. So I was very eager to begin the second book and I did immediately. And actually I was loving the first one so much that I figured I was going to finish the entire series like within the week, um, all three books. So I checked them all out at the library back to back and my expectations were definitely way too high for the second one. It, the second one wasn't nearly as funny, but the story and the character building was just as enjoyable. And the the land of Pell itself were still was still awesome. And when I started the third one, my expectations were very low again, but it turned out to be a great story on par with the second one. So it was definitely a roller coaster. So the first book, Kill the Farm Boy, was just amazing. Um it, it was hilarious. Like, I don't think I've read a funnier book before. It was absolutely hilarious. It was outrageous. It was silly. The characters were beyond eccentric. It was punny and it was incredibly well-written. I smiled and laughed the entire time while reading this. I cannot say enough good things about Kill the Farm Boy. It was filled with puns and banter and pop culture references. And it was the perfect amount of seriousness to make you feel for the characters. And when there were serious parts, it was like gutting. But when there were funny parts, it was hilarious. And um, I loved the subtle LGBT inclusion. I've mentioned this before in other episodes where it's, I, I call it casual inclusion, where it's just not made a big deal. And it just is what it is. Um, and that was the case in Kill the Farm Boy, where the main love story were between two female characters. I just loved it. And it was beautiful. They were meant for each other. It was very romantic. And it was written into the story in such a way that it didn't feel out of place, which is very important when it comes to LGBT discussions, nor did it pull attention away from the other plot points, because I wouldn't say that the romance between the two female characters was one of the main plot points, although it did move the plot forward. The main plot 
was more about breaking the sleeping spell over over one of the towns in Pell. Their romance just simply existed as it was meant to, and it was awesome. Also, all of the food was described in delicious detail. Um, I don't think I've ever read another book where the food was described in such a way. It was like mouthwatering. I loved it. And and they ate a lot. <laughs> it was one of those fantasy books where a group of seemingly misfit characters were traveling through the land, right, on a quest. And they had a lot of opportunity to feast. And every time they feasted, it was just amazing. They just ate really yummy sounding food. <laughs> so this was one of the best novels that I read in the early part of 2022, no doubt. And I was so incredibly excited to dive into the rest of the series that I immediately rented them all. And I figured I would blow through them, but unfortunately that was not the case. I was I was disappointed with the second one. So before we talk about that, I do want to mention that each book could be read as a standalone in the series. Um, there were only two or three repeating characters, but the overall story of Pell and specifically the good King Gustav would definitely be lost in a lot of people who didn't read them in order. Um, and there's also a lot of modern mainstream fantasy novels that were totally ripped off in this series, which was both fun and eye-rolling inducing. It's, it's definitely satirical in a lot of ways, which I really enjoy. I really love satire. Um, so yeah, there were a few overarching storylines for the land of Pell. So you do probably want to read them in order, but you certainly could not read them in order. If you really only had access to one or whatever reason, you'll still enjoy it. The second book was called No Country for Old Gnomes, and it started off so much slower than the first one because it had a lot of characters in to introduce. And I've mentioned this before as well in other episodes that whenever a lot of characters are thrown in right at the beginning all at once, I tend to get confused and I have to re-listen or reread in order to get to know everyone a little bit better. Um, so that's just not my favorite way to begin a novel. And that was one of that was the case again here where I was confused and I kind of had to revisit and make sure I actually knew everyone's story and name before I felt like I was ready to continue the story. But once they all met up and their quest began, it was enjoyable. It wasn't nearly as funny or as clever as the first one, which was really disappointing. And by the end of the second book, I was kind of dragging my feet to finish it. Normally, if I feel that way, if I get to a a point in a book where I'm not excited to finish reading the book, I'll just stop reading it. But the land of Pell and all its characters and the big story arcs kept me intrigued enough to keep going, specifically with the good King Gustav. He, I would say he was probably the overall story main character. The book itself, the second one, No Country for Old Gnomes, just took itself way too seriously in my opinion, especially since the expectations of so much humor were set so high in the first one. The carefree, hilarious nature of that was just simply lost in the second book, which was so disappointing. However, the character development was still excellent and the world building didn't fall flat at all. It was just not nearly as funny. It was just more like run-of-the-mill fantasy novel. If this had been the first book, there's no way this trilogy would have been successful. Um, it was still fantastic and it had a great plot twist, or I guess multiple plot twists, I guess, in development of the greater story arcs. So it it was just in comparison to the first one, I was just disappointed. I was disappointed that I couldn't put down the series. I let backtrack. I wasn't so disappointed that I didn't put down the series altogether. I just didn't immediately jump into the next book like I thought I was going to. The third book called The Princess Beard was actually the first book I discovered that made me want to read the series as a, as a whole in the first place. Because I, I found that one at the library and I realized it was the third in a trilogy. So I picked up the first one. Um, I had really low expectations by the time I got to the to the Princess Beard, but I was really pleasantly surprised when I reached the end and 
the perfect conclusion, just absolute perfect conclusion. And this book, the reason why I wanted to record this podcast episode actually was that this book had my favorite character I've come across yet in literature or one of my top favorite characters. And the character's name was Pissing Victorious. (laughs) So he's a centaur who went by the name Fick but his full name was Pissing Victorious. And he embodied all the horrible stereotypes of gym rats and meatheads. So he consistently referred to himself as swole. And he, the character had a voice of like, oh, what's wrong? Like, why are you? They kind of like talked in like a meathead stereotypical kind of way, which was both really funny and awesome character building. Um, he became my favorite character because the immense amount of growth that he endured. And I started off hating him, which was definitely intended by the author. You know, I'm sure you've met someone in your life that was, um, (laughs) that was swole maybe, or just kind of like a meathead ish, like kind of fulfilled those sort of stereotypes and they're just insufferable. And Vic was definitely insufferable. And then eventually I felt sorry for him. And then I was rooting for him. And I finally ended up wholeheartedly respecting him for what he endured during the entirety of the story, The Princess Beard. Um, He turned out to be the main character of that book, I would say, even though the narrative wasn't following him all the time. By the end of the book, it was, if that makes sense. He had tea magic, which allowed him to conjure up delicious teas and treats and desserts and cakes and sandwiches and all manner of elegant food you would find at a proper tea party in London, I imagine, if you were friends with the queen. (laughs) And I loved the uniqueness of this gift, of this magical gift. And it, it brought back the love of food from the first book, Kill the Farm Boy, that was so much missed in the second. Um, And it was it was totally unique. I don't think I've ever come across any sort of magical entity in any other book that could conjure up food. Usually like an unspoken rule of magical fantasy stories is that you can't create food and drink out of thin air, but Vic was able to do that. So, but it was tea magic. So it was, it was desserts and cakes and like tiny little finger sandwiches and that sort of thing. So it was limited to that in that extent, but it was still really yummy tasting food and good teas and and that sort of thing. So that was really cool. Definitely unique. And while Vic wasn't exactly the main character the entire time, um, his presence is what drove the plot forward the entire time. So what I mean by that is, like I mentioned, that the narrator wasn't always looking through Vic's eyes to tell the story, but Vic was the one that drove the plot forward. Therefore, he was the main character. And his actions and what he has done added a lot of much needed resolution to the other characters. So he was awesome. Um, We actually meet the princess with the beard in the first story. Uh, So that was kind of a fun throwback to the very first scenes of kill the farm boy. And I was, it was an extremely pleasant and wittily witty, happy, every happily ever after. Um, So when I was reading kill the farm boy and we met the beard, the princess with a beard, I was like, oh, shit, (laughs) that's her, because I knew that the third book was called The Princess Beard, because that was what made me want to read the series in the first place. So I was looking forward to meeting her again throughout the whole other book that I, second book that wasn't my favorite. Um, But I do want to take a moment to talk about this narrator. His name is Luke Daniels, and he narrated the entire series, and he is far and away the best audiobook narrator I have ever, ever listened to. He literally had dozens of character voices, all different from each other. And I loved them all. They were all so diverse. They all fit the characters perfectly. 
and his his natural voice for narrating was excellent the way he portrayed the feelings of each scene and the and the way he made light of heavy things and just his voice was just perfect but mostly i was really impressed with the amount of diverse voices he was able to create for all the characters and overall this story easily had two dozen or more characters and they all had unique voices and i particularly love the voice he gave to the good king gustav um he was a goat (laughs) so he like bleated a lot um and he I can't, I'm not even going to try to imitate it. You just have to go and listen to the sample somewhere because it was amazing. But yeah, he, he kept true to the nature of all the characters. So the characters that were rabbits or, or gnomes or like smaller characters had, had higher pitched voices. And, and Vic, for example, had a really deep voice because he was a centaur. So he was supposed to be huge. And there's a time where they come across trolls and the troll had a really deep voice. So um, it's not that other narrators don't do that sort of a thing. It's just that Luke Daniels was impeccable he is the type of voice actor that if you're an aspiring voice actor you need to learn from him because he was amazing he also sang a couple times because one of the um characters argabella was a um a musician so he sang all of her songs and he added tunes to them and it was amazing and one of the reasons why i think that these audiobooks were a little long they were like 13 hours long is because of the way he delivered the dialogue where it wasn't just reading the dialogue he was really good at portraying the dialogue in such a way that it sounded like the characters were actually talking you know it wasn't just line 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 it was it was told from the point of view of that character so he portrayed how they would have been feeling saying that line almost as if he's an actor (laughs) so it was amazing absolute best narrator i've ever come across so overall, I'd give this entire series four out of five stars. Definitely worth a read if you're in the mood for something silly and magical. One in every two bibliophiles suffer from abiblophobia, the fear of running out of reading material. <laughs> Keep yourself safe and subscribe to this podcast so you never have to worry about running out of book recommendations ever again. Phew, that was a close one.